Good afternoon. I'm Eleanor D'Angelo, the student coordinator of the Roxborough House Roundtables at Jefferson East Falls. Today we're going to be talking about social media and I'm going to introduce my co-producer, Savannah. Hi, I'm Savannah. I'm a second year Lawn Society major and each episode is recorded and later posted on our YouTube channel for those who are unable to attend the live event. They are also aired on the first and third Sundays of each month from 8 to 9 a.m. on G-Town Community Radio, which is 92.5 FM WGGT, and gtownradio.com. Today's roundtable, The Rightful Death of Social Media, Section 230 and the Supreme Court, is hosted by Evan, Professor Evan Lane, and I'm going to throw it over to him. Uh, thank you. First, I want to introduce our, our panel today. Uh, if we can start with Giselle, I'll give you a major. Hi, I'm Giselle. I'm a first-year Law Society major. Hi, I'm Brian. I'm a first-year Law Society major. Hi, I'm Faith. I'm also a first-year Law Society major. Hi, I'm Kadeja. I'm a third-year Communications major. Hi, I'm Nate. I'm a second-year Law Society major. Hi, I'm Zach, senior Law Society major. Hi, I'm Sheldon. I'm a first-year Law Society major. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm a first-year Law Society major. I'm Barbara, the dean. <laughs> <laughs> And a friend of the Lawn Society and majors. A friend of Lawn Society majors everywhere. everywhere. And of course, communications. Communication. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about a um, very interesting topic has to do with social media. I did not grow up with social media for obvious reasons because I'm a little over age 30. But. I can cut it out. Okay. Well, you just you go back to. Yeah. Close it a second. Does it, this is an inner sign? Mimi, <laughs> there's a sign. Yeah, I couldn't find it. I walked around like four times. Sit back there. That's it. Leave it. I was sitting back there. Is there room on the couch? Uh, yeah, we can probably make room on the couch. Okay. There's plenty of room on this couch. Plenty of room. Glad to have you. Okay. I have like two feet of space 24/7. Okay. On three. Yep. So social media is something new to me, but not something new to you, and actually you've grown up with it, and the thought of not having it is uh, an interesting proposition, and we're going to talk about that. I want to set forth the legal ramifications and why social media has a very unique role uh, legally in our system. Uh, if the New York Times, Washington Post, or any magazine that's out there publishes something, they are responsible for what they say and they could be sued for defamation under New York Times versus Sullivan and other laws. Social media is not responsible for what is on their platforms, and that's because of Section 230. And this is what it says. It's under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. It was passed in 1996, and which would always suggest it's an old law, especially when dealing with the Internet. And it says an interactive computer service can't be treated as the publisher or speaker of third-party content. This protects websites from lawsuits if users post something illegal, although there are exceptions such as child pornography and intellectual property exceptions. But other than that, anything they put on, if someone puts on social media a claim against somebody else, even though it's obviously false, they could sue that person for saying the wrong thing about them, but they can't sue the social media platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever, whatever it may be. And that's significant because usually the person making the comment 
has no resources. So the, 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 the corporations such as Facebook and so forth, they have resources. So if you're going to sue, you're going to go after them. But they can't be sued. The way they look at it is that they are a public street. And if people want to come out on the street and say what they're going to say against each other, the street is not responsible for what is being said. As opposed to the New York Times, the Washington Post, it's their authors, their reporters, they're responsible for what they say. That has allowed these social media corporations to grow immensely. As we know, every one of us here, I'm sure, uses it. If they were to be sued for what is said on it, that would be the end of it. Because what would happen, it would be lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit, and after a while, they'd be sued out of existence. So if 230 disappears, so does social media. Social media has been blamed uh, for radicalizing a number of individuals, and that case just went to the Supreme Court, where certain social media sites printed uh, different types of false material, which led to some atrocities happening. The other Supreme Court case deals with another part of what they do, is they track where you go, and they use algorithms to suggest sites to you. Although they're not the writers of that content, they will give you other content providers who have said something that you might be interested in. And in that lawsuit is said by suggesting content that you're responsible for. But 230 clearly says they are not. The other thing is, is if they moderate a part of 230, now they don't have to moderate at all. They have no responsibility to that. They are private corporations. But if they moderate to remove objectionable material, if that's done in good faith, then they have no responsibility for that. And also, just one thing I want to set up from the very beginning. The First Amendment only applies to government action. None of these companies are government. So the first, you can't say, I got kicked off of Twitter, they're violating my First Amendment rights to speak. No, they can't violate your First Amendment rights because your First Amendment rights don't apply because Twitter, Facebook, whatever, are not government entities. Plain and simple, no matter what you hear, for example, former President Trump, when he was kicked off of Facebook for fomenting an insurrection, same thing with Twitter, he claimed they're going against my First Amendment rights. No, they're not because he doesn't have First Amendment rights in that particular area because they are not government entities. However, last thing I want to introduce is Florida has put laws down through DeSantis, I don't know if they survived the appellate review yet, that say that you can't kick various people off of their conservative groups. Now, DeSantis is a government entity and he is censoring or, or forcing a particular private corporation to say or not say something that's a violation of the First Amendment, because Florida, at least as of today, is still part of the, of the United States. So with that, we'll leave comments made by various different congresswomen aside for a second. So that is the parameters. If the Supreme Court gets rid of 230, there will be no Facebook. There will be no Twitter. Uh, these will be shortly sued out of existence. Now. I want to, one more thing I want to introduce. People with money who have lawyers on uh, retainer, powerful people, 
can use lawsuits as a weapon. For example, if Facebook without 230 says something truthful about President Trump, for example, and he doesn't like what they said, even though it's truthful, he could sue. And that costs money. And even at the end where it's proven it was true, it could cost tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And if there's a number of lawsuits filed, that could sue them out of existence, even if they tell the truth, which means that rich people with lots of money can control completely the narrative on the internet by using lawsuits if 230 doesn't exist. So you can see it's multi-layered here. 230 protects, but 230 also protects them by putting false narratives out there, uh, by allowing the Russians to put all kinds of false information during the elections, uh, allows uh, defamation, it allows hate speech, it allows bullying. We can go on and so forth because that's why you're here. So the question I'm posing to the group is, has social media in your lives been a benefit? Has it been a detriment? If it was destroyed, if the if Supreme Court says 230 is gone, or the legislature gets rid of 230, they could do that as well. As a matter of fact, a number of bills are being considered right now on that. What do you think about that? Good, bad, indifferent. So who would like to, Mimi? I don't think it's, um, there's one um, answer for this. Something that I've seen a lot is for like sex workers, having social media and being able to do stuff like OnlyFans and promote it on their TikToks or Instagrams has helped keep them safer. Instead of having to, you know, work the streets at night, they're able to have this income from the comfort of their home, which I think is a good thing. Um, a bad thing is I would definitely say it has just absolutely destroyed the body image of like this entire generation of young girls. I remember like I was looking for like eating disorder treatments online. The next day, my feed was flooded with weight loss pills, um, uh, different plastic surgeries or like something called like cool sculpting that's supposed to zap away your fat. And that's from trying to access resources that go against the exact opposite. So it's almost as if the algorithm is purposefully trying to keep young girls in the state of mind of hating their own bodies. Even talking about the psychological aspects of it, which is something I left out, which is really very, very important. Everyone seems happy on Facebook, right? I mean, and I, I have a family I'm friends with, and they always post pictures with the kids, and the kids are always there and smiling, and I said, God, look at that family. Like, they, they got it really going, you know? They really got it going. But I was there for one of the pictures, and it was like herding cats, and everyone screaming and carrying on, and finally for that one second, that picture was taken, and it's out there, and you're going, how come they're able to get this together, right? How come they're able to do that? How come they're going out to dinner? How come they're going to the party? Why wasn't I invited? Why does everybody look so happy all the time that I'm not? So I just want to throw that out there. Who else wants to talk about their idea? Go ahead. I've had a very similar experience with body image and social media. If anyone was on Tumblr from 2013 to like 2015, you'll know that there were a lot of pro-Anna posts and pro-eating disorders, you know, like, de or guidelines to getting a thigh gap, and that was the thing when I was younger. It was a mess, and that has deeply affected me to this day. Like, I, around the time that I started seeing that, I've always had a complicated relationship with my body, as most people 
have probably experienced, but that kind of just enhanced everything that I was already feeling. And it made me so much more insecure and I'm still dealing with that. But on the other side, there's a lot of really great resources such as you have the ability to read other people's stories who may have had a similar experience. You can, this goes more into the internet, but you can research help and, you know, programs, but I've had a very similar experience. It, it stinks and it's really hard. Social media really sucks you in. Once you're there, it's so hard to get out of it. So I think it would be, that part would be a good thing, like if Section 230 were to be uh, overturned, but it would also be a bad thing because we wouldn't have a platform anymore to share truthful information, spread other words out that are actually beneficial to our society. Uh, Unfortunately, social media is used both ways, but the bad parts kind of overweigh the good parts, in my opinion. I feel that a lot of what we're talking about is partly due to the introduction of the algorithm. Uh, It's a for-profit system. It's used to push information to get you to keep consuming on their platform. If you're not physically buying, then you are the product. They're selling your information. Facebook is totally guilty of that. Um, But it's definitely like this algorithm that kind of keeps you sucked in, keeps putting off uh, different information content that you would enjoy uh, which is why we see like such rabbit holes or like what we call pipelines into like uh, harmless content leading into like very conspiratorial conspiracy theory pipelines and everything like that or like alt-right pipelines but I feel that social media I've never grew up with a time without social media um, so I don't know how it would be different without it and I feel that Social media has, brings together like communities that you don't necessarily see, like or like connect with, on like an everyday basis and everything like that, and it has really like connected different cultures, different people in like this wider like globalization movement, and I think globalization uh, has really benefited our society in terms of economics, in terms of pop culture, kind of bringing people together. So I think that is like a huge benefit that uh, unfortunately things like the algorithm and things that we're talking about right now kind of overshadow. But it also brings together white supremacist groups. It brings together <laughs> QAnon. It brings together racists. You know, we can, people who, and also it used to be, my son calls it uh, the basement theory. He says if you were an idiot, you were relegated to the basement and you didn't know that there were other idiots out there, but now you reach out with hateful ideas, you know, hey, there's other hateful people out there. And you get together and you form hateful groups that do some hateful things. Um, Sorry, on the other side of that, those communities can be good, but as Savannah mentioned, the the bad outweighs the good, unfortunately. Um, I would have to agree with Giselle, because social media isn't just the monster that, like, when we were first introduced to it, we've seen, like, people trying to portray this idea of perfection. Social media, especially in, like, recent years, has evolved into more of, like, first, it's actually really a tap to our economy, and second, it's become, like, an entertainment industry as well. Like, there's so much that you can do outside of, like, the political climate of America. Like, social media can also be an escape if you don't want to look for things like that. Like, of course, there's hate groups, but you would have to, like, 
I mean, it's hate groups that spread information that is available to everyone. But, there, I mean, there's ways to avoid that and, like, see things that you actually want to see. So, yes, there's bad, but I feel like the bad is there, but you can also see, like, good. In terms of, like, 2.30, I feel, uh, kind of going off what Brian is saying, like, the lack of moderation and the lack of responsibility on these corporations, is, I feel, is the problem. Uh, yes, it's, it's so many people just all at once in, like, like, a forum, right? Which is, like, the really dangerous thing. How do you moderate that? It's so large. Um, but if, if we take on a perspective that they have absolutely no responsibility to what shows up on uh, their, their public forums, on, in tweets and everything like that, that's when we run into these issues where it, it's essentially the Wild West. Um, but I, I do agree with Ryan, Brian, <laughs> Brian uh, in saying that a lot of like, community, I found a lot of communities online and everything like that and I feel like all of us have like a similar experience and things like that where like fandom spaces I feel like that was so important to me kind of finding things that I like that are not necessarily like so large within like my high school populace which is only like a hundred kids um yeah go ahead Uh, did I cut you off though okay um base but also the the negative effect are actually so deadly. I mean, other than anorexia just being like the mental illness with the highest fatality rate, there's also, if you look at these school shooters and when they, during the investigations, they are part of these online alt-right communities who, and they actually, and you can actually see them like deliberating on their crime in these communities. Because what happens is, is the, you know, the basement theory, when you're not out there having actually forming like in-person, interpersonal relationships, it can really um, like mentally, like socially disable you basically. Um, And I think that especially like what I've noticed with like very young depressed men, they find these communities about like, why don't women want to have sex with me? And it's like, and it's just these forums talking about just being misogynistic. Like the reason why women don't want to have sex with you is because women are terrible and women are the degenerates of society. And I've seen it firsthand because I'm a gamer and I, I, I spend time with these men all the time. Also known as incels. Incels, yeah. the incel Anyone? community. Yeah. Yeah, we have two people of authority here. Uh, just, I, before we get to- Barbara, we were able to get together with people before the incident, weren't we? We were, but those were the days when you actually had to be in front of the television to watch The Wizard of Oz at a certain time once a year. So that was a very long time ago. But yes, we were able to get together. And in fact, we could invite one another places. (laughs) (laughs) And And we had groups, and we had protests. Uh, we enormous protest. Enormous protest without social media. And we had groups. We had community groups. And we also had to be socially involved. We had to actually be involved in just putting a, a rainbow flag behind our Facebook page. Yeah. So I just want to put that out there. And I think that's yeah. like an interesting thing to say. But like, I, and I think we can like speak to this. The, the presence of like third spaces where people can just come together and just like talk to one another and just meet up that's not so prevalent as it was before it trying go try going to a bowling alley costs like 25 dollars like perfect it's like 
and people don't necessarily have the time to do that anymore we're we're so like uh out of like ability to i'm taking macroeconomics and we were talking about this being like what the the wage the wages of middle the middle class have become so stagnant that in order to cope the middle class has like put more women into the workforce and anything like that or like started taking more hours but we've reached a point where we can't necessarily do anything about that anymore we can't add more laborers to the workforce we can't put in more hours we're at our limits uh so i just feel like the fact that we're working longer hours now and the pay hasn't increased necessarily and we're still like kind of like finding it easier to adapt to social media and find community there has led to this it, um, now, I like the points that's been brought up by with finding communities, but I actually feel like that's more of a negative than it can be a positive because I was an athlete. My community was like a bunch of my whole team. I played a lot of soccer when I was younger, and then and when I was like in middle school, I got an injury, and I had to take a few seasons off, and at that point, I actually had my own phone, so that's when I started getting into social media, and I found my communities. And I haven't touched a ball since. And I love that game. Like, I haven't really gotten back out on the pitch. It's just killed my motivation, killed what once made me, like, joyful about something. And it's just made me, like, a lot more introverted. Um, and I know that, you know, some people that even saw this brochure here to come to talk about this topic, some of them are probably on social media right now instead of being in this circle talking about <laughs> it. Uh, trying to find a community. A lot of the people I, we have I think heard. that's really important and yeah. related to what Professor Lane said too about, just take an example, I don't know if any of you have seen footage of civil rights demonstrations in Washington in the 1960s or anti-Vietnam War demonstrations. There were 200,000 people. The entire Washington Mall covered people who couldn't get there and that was all organized by leaflets, telephones, through unions, there were buses with you know union members going down to DC, um, things like that. You haven't seen a demonstration that large in, right. in the 90s and the, you know they're just people don't go. And I think there is this false sense that you have a community. There's a false sense that I've you know you put something up on social media, I made my political statement. I don't have to, you know, you don't go to the protest. You don't organize the protest because you think you've done it already, you know, that kind of thing. And I also want to add that nowadays on social media, it's easy to buy followers or, like, easy to buy, like, <laughs> traction. Everything is so pay to get clicks, pay to get viewed now. So you can't even say that you have such a huge backing some, some of these times because, you know, anyone can have that backing with, like, 20 bucks in their pocket. There's this term that I actually found on the internet called doom scrolling. And it's when you go on Instagram, TikTok, whatever your preferred social media platform is, and you just keep scrolling on the videos. Keep scrolling. Even if you're paying attention or not, you're just stuck and you're scrolling and you're scrolling and you're scrolling. So I feel like even if we enforce more regulations if in 230, if we wanted to keep social media going, it wouldn't work. Uh, we're all sucked in, and it would make everyone's lives seem more perfect than ours. It would just spiral into complete disaster. And on the doom scrolling, I think the best word I could describe stuff like TikTok is like an evolutionary trap a little bit. Like, 
um, the idea, like, it is, I see, like, our entire generation, like, everyone suddenly has stuff like ADHD, which I'm not denying, but I'm saying that, like, the, the, um, the inattentiveness of our generation definitely stems from that, because it's literally the same chemicals that are being released when you do drugs. It's like, it's like you're constantly going for the next hit, which is why you keep where you keep scrolling, even if you're not genuinely interested in what you wa you're watching, even if you're not taking in any inf information, it's feeding your brain. And I notice it so much, especially because I grew up like as an iPad kid, and it definitely, um, and it definitely impacted my ability to focus. Like, like I swear, like five minutes, like on the treadmill, and I'm like already bored. I want to get off. I want to do something else. Right, and I definitely think, kind of, like, going back to, like, the whole, like, doom-scrolling thing and the whole, like, protests nowadays, I feel like nowadays, every time something bad happens, like, every time we have, like, a social justice issue, we're so used to doom-scrolling that I think it kind of gives us more anxiety about it, and you kind of start to develop, like, this feeling of, like, there's nothing I can do, and then it's, like, except for, like, posts on social media... And I feel like that might be one of the reasons why people don't go out and do as much is because, like, the doom scrolling just makes you feel even worse. Like, it makes you not want to do as much because you're like, this is out of my control. I can't change anything. Like, yeah. So, and speaking to post, you've posted your message on social media. Your that's your political view. The perfect example of that is the black squares during George Floyd. Where did that get us? Like. You're posting black squares, and about half of the people who were doing that showed up to protest. And are you really, are you really voicing your support, or are you doing it because everyone else is posting it? And I think that's a big issue right now as well. I think that social media really warps our perception of what reality is, and I think back to the whole posting the black squares. I think for a lot of people in their minds, it was, oh, I've done something to contribute, but in reality, that's not going to do anything. And I think that's a big problem nowadays of that. Um, like Mimi mentioned, how psychologically like damaging social media is, and I think it's because we no longer have that perception of what actually matters because social media is just so damaging to us, we can't like separate it anymore. It's just become this like one big thing for our generation. And I think it's especially damaging for like the younger generation coming up because I mean I remember growing up around middle school there started to become social media but it was a little more lighthearted. it was still kind of new but for these kids growing up I feel like they're so swamped with it and I feel like it's going to possibly affect them more than it has us bringing it back to the point of introversy that Chris brought up I don't think that introversy, like the way that social media has created is necessarily such a bad thing. Yes, we're more individualized, but I feel like that allowed us to learn more about ourselves. Like, it, social media preaches tolerance, but like, it, we were taught tolerance before social media existed, and I feel like we were doing a good job, but we really didn't understand where these people were coming from until they themselves in front of us came and started, like, and it was like many, it was like billions, well, not billions, but like hundreds of thousands of people from these communities coming and like we can see that they actually exist and it's not just one person standing in front of us talking. Um, and more bringing it back to like our individual selves, we got to explore more about ourselves because we got to learn things that we like. Like for example, he said he was like he was out playing soccer. 
and then he stopped it. So what were you, like, on social media, when I, I don't say I've stopped going outside, but when I started spending more time alone, I found things that I liked, like anime. I, did, I thought anime was weird, but it turned out to be actually pretty fun. It's, like, fun to watch, and it's, like, fun to pay attention to. So, I mean, that helped expand my attention span. It's not, like, just five-minute videos. Like, a five-minute video that I went and found something else that I liked, and I researched more, and I, like, watched more. And I learned more about myself from social media. Do you feel, and be honest, the pull towards the phone? I remember last semester in Law 101, you made a very good point, and I think about this very often. You said to us, like, um, subconsciously, you don't even realize it, but how many of your phones are on the table right now? Just so you can feel close to it, because um, it's just so addicting that subconsciously we're still even so, like, pulled towards it. But there's even a pleasure in holding it. Am I right? Yeah. How weird is that? Phantom thing. I sleep with it under me. Yeah, under the pillow. Yeah, under like my this? pillow. Under the pillow, yeah. And then the alarm vibrates the pillow. When it vibrates the pillow, I wake up and do <laughs> I've always tried to... Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was saying, like, personally, because Chris mentioned, like, sleeping with the... He said for, like, the alarm. As I say, I personally have it set to the side. I did this with falling on the couch. <laughs> I'm not like stuffing it in my hoodie pocket because it's uncomfortable. <laughs> but I was going to say, speaking on the alarm thing, I personally set mine like just out of reach, so I actually have to move and grab it. I guess that's kind of like simulating like what someone would do with an alarm clock, where they'd have to reach. So I like listening to like even overall. Like I feel like I use social media a bit differently than everyone's mentioned here. I don't know how to describe it exactly, but like I haven't fully agreed with or fully like related with like some of the points you brought up. Yeah, tell us why. Uh, I'm trying to think of specific examples now, but like, oh, the like being introverted thing. Like I've like finding your communities has kind of like withdrawn you from soccer. I've noticed like the complete opposite. Where if there are like some hobbies that I'm like really passionate about, whenever I see like videos or posts about it, it really inspires me. Like, I'm an avid skier, and it's killed me seeing, like, I follow a whole bunch of professionals, like, on Instagram, and seeing them post, like, their competitions, it's been killing me that I haven't seen the snow in, like, close to three months now, and stuff like that. Like, I've had the complete opposite reaction. I also think that the way that we use social media definitely changed during quarantine. Um, Instead, like, what social media kind of used to be was you'd go in there and connect with your in-person friends, but now half of my friends are people that I've met online, and I go on to mingle with my online friends, and that's just a part of my life. I also think that the phone thing is such a curse. I hate hanging out with people that are on their phone all the time. When I'm like in a hangout setting, I just I literally like turn my phone off completely, and I thought that that's like decency kind of when you're hanging out with someone but I've been hanging out with people and they're just like scrolling through TikTok half paying attention to me half to their phone and I'm like look me in the eyeballs go to a restaurant yeah and see what's going on I people sitting there families are sitting there everyone's got their own phone and they're going through it and 
And my, Why go out to dinner? I don't understand. My father's 80 years old, and he's worse about it than me. I, I, I'm like, Dad, come to dinner with me. And he has his iPad there playing, like, Scrabble or whatever <laughs> while I'm trying to talk to him. It's funnier because the nicer the restaurant, the more I see families on their phone. I feel like the more you're spending money, the more you're, like, <laughs> you're in such a beautiful setting. You're eating, like, some of the finest food out there, and you're playing, like, Scrabble on your phone. I think the majority of people just don't live in the moment anymore, and I feel like sometimes I'll. I don't think there's anything wrong with taking pictures and documenting a nice moment, but at some point, I feel like even myself, I have to remind myself like you're here to live in the moment and experience this firsthand. Like you don't want to look back and remember the seeing the pictures that you took. You want to look back and remember like the little joys of like being in this moment with friends or family. And just recently, I went to the flowers show and. Just everywhere you look, people weren't looking at the flowers. They were looking at it through their phones. And it, it, it's sad in a way because it's like, here's all this beautiful like nature around us, and nobody's taking the true time to appreciate it. And yes, there's good photos, and like photography for a lot of people is art, and I appreciate that too. But like at some point, we have to step back from that and live. Bringing it back to the point that Giselle made earlier, we've become so accustomed to multitasking. Like, we rarely have time to just do one thing. So when we do have the time to just do one thing, our brains are not accustomed to it. So we have to do multiple things. Like you said earlier, when you're just in a hangout session and someone's on their phone, just listening to you talk, it feels like you're going so slow. Like, in a group (laughs) conversation like this, there's more people talking, so there's more to pay attention to and there's more to jump around to and it's more stimulating. But we we didn't have the luxury of just doing one thing at a time like I feel like previous generations had. We had to do a million things at once which I feel like it helped our generation and it it has its pros and cons just like everything else but I feel like social media has become a way to like stimulate ourselves from our over exhaustion that we've grown accustomed to. And I definitely feel like we see that and sorry I definitely feel like we see that in the kind of like you ever, like, on TikTok, watch the video, it's like a show, and then there's subway surfers on the bottom and everything like that? Like, yeah. There's, like, two things. It is, it is so hilarious, but it is just so telling of, like, what Brian is saying and everything like that. And, like, to what Faith is saying, like, especially concert etiquette now, like, oh after gosh. quarantine and everything like that, is just so horrible. We forgot and had to, like, enjoy concert and, like, just be there. I disagree with that, though, because I feel like, like, being able to record an experience allows you to relive the experience. So a concert that is something you're paying $400 for an hour and a half of music, you are able to re-watch again. And so, yeah, like I think it's not great that everyone has their phones out in the concerts like the whole time recording. But at the same time, it allows us to make something that, I don't know, it's worth more to me when I'm able to like Rewatch it, relive it, re-experience it, rather than just experiencing it for the hour that I'm there and then never seeing it again. But I, I, I think like go ahead, but I think you're unique though. I think most people who put the phone out are wanting to share it mm-hmm. on social media to show that they're there, to show like, look at me, I was here, I'm special. You know, I, I'm sure that's what you're doing, but that's part of the social media thing. People are doing crazy stuff. Or just, I'm out to dinner, I'm eating crab. Look, who cares if you're eating crab? Why do I have to see a picture of your, you know, what your food is? But it's just saying, look at me and give me likes. There's this need for likes that is almost a verification of, of your worth, that you got a whole bunch of likes. And be honest, if you post something on social media, you got likes, it's a high, right? 
Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, uh, on TikTok, is, oh, sorry. I was going to say, like, I've blown up on different social media platforms before. Uh, I wouldn't say, like, fully blown up, not, like, you know, world famous or anything like that, but I've gotten, like, a significant amount of attention, and it feels so great, and then it all just goes away, and then you feel, like, a failure. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, wait a minute, let me look back. Nothing changed. If I didn't blow up, I'd still be the same person. Uh, and I feel like it took me so long to come to that realization to the point where it, the whole social media account blowing up and like dying out never mattered to me before I came to that realization. Like I stopped caring about that whole identity before I realized how much it affected me. I feel like the... Um the whole need to go viral stemmed from like the fact that people like influencers and social media like they get paid to just do things that we do regularly so I feel like the need to go viral stems from that sorry oh no I was just gonna say I agree and it even like pervades your your in-person interactions like like I said in high school when I blew up on TikTok and got a bunch of followers I did politics I ended up before I got banned I, um, <laughs> people in school like thought I was cool and I've never gotten that type of attention before I've never been like a popular kid and it felt so good to have like the popular kids like recognize who I was and like want me in their friend group and then when I got banned because I got mass reported by Trump supporters um, uh, it just went away all of a sudden no one cared about me anymore and I, that feels horrible like absolutely terrible I also feel like like, the whole thing is, like, when you go on social media, like, often, like, when you see other people, like, doing things, you get FOMO. And then it's, like, so then I feel like when you, like, when you start to gain attention, like, you know, like, you, you want to feel, like, that validation where, like, you're giving other people FOMO where you're, like, oh, look what I get to do because you know how it feels to be on the other side of the situation. You want to be the one who's giving someone FOMO, I feel like. And like going back to the concerts and events that you go to and people are taking videos and photos, they weren't meant to be taken photos of. You're supposed to enjoy the moment when you're there. And in reality, who really cares? Who really cares if you post it on social media? People are going to like it and that's it. They're not going to remember it. So I feel like it's beneficial to relieve the moment. Yes, take a few pictures and videos for your camera roll so you can enjoy it later, but it shouldn't take up your whole experience. I think that there's a distinction between um, filming or photographing for the sake of documentation. Like, I, three years later, still rewatch the clips from the Taylor Swift concert I went to. Like, that, and then there's another thing of, like, posting it on social media um, for people to see. Sometimes if I see, like, friends that I know that didn't invite me to hang out with them, it feels like a personal attack that they're posting it on social media without inviting me and it literally makes me want to like die like it's a horrible feeling like the amount of times I've cried just because I looked on social media and saw people hanging out without me when I was in my teens I was a big directioner I don't know if anyone can relate but concerts were a huge thing and Giselle talked about fandom communities that was a really great opportunity but there were a lot of toxic people there as well and then my freshman year of high school, it was on the road again tour. I went to a concert. It wasn't the Philadelphia one. And it was like the first day of school and everyone was going to the One Direction concert. And I wasn't there. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a bummer, you know? Like everyone's 
experiencing this really great thing that I that means a lot to me. But now, at the concerts that I did go to for them, I found myself recording a lot because that's what everyone else was doing. And I was like, I really want to remember this, but also, like, I didn't want to miss a single thing. And now, when I go to concerts, I tell myself, you can record the song that really means a lot to you and you can revisit it or like record one or two but for the rest of it really be there and enjoy it you spent the money to be there I the artist means a lot to me and I feel like when in those moments where I'm not recording it and watching it through my phone I look up and ev like everyone in front of me has their phone up blocking <laughs> the view for everyone behind them and it's like all right, okay well I'll watch it through your phone instead and it stinks one of the things that I think I, I'm listening to you all and there's a, a huge amount of engagement that you're talking about there's positive there's negative but it's your it's definitely engagement 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 whether you're sitting alone engaged with the communities with you and one of the things that about social media and, and one of the reasons that ex exception, you know, of, of liability exists, at the New York Times, they're, everything they publish is curated. They are. They're held responsible for it because they are responsible for it. They have editors whose job it is to make sure that that, you know, that is their only job. And they have reporters whose job it is to be accurate to the best of their ability, or if they're edit editorializing, to, to be doing this all in good faith. The thing about social media that they say, but, but the editor, I've written letters to the editor, I've had one published, I've written other times, it's not published. They get to decide if I get published or not. If I write a book, the press gets to decide if I get published or not. Um, the me you know, social media lets you get published instantaneously, it is it. No one can keep you off it officially, right? You go on it, you interact, you can meet with your friends. So there is this level of immediate engagement and democratization. You get to do it, you get to publish, you get to express yourself. And I was wondering how you guys feel about that. And does it feel like there's a democratization going on or that you're being exploited by Companies that want to sell you things, that it really isn't a democratization at all. Sheldon. So, all right. On that front, uh, I kind of use social media a lot for news, which I do my due diligence. That I follow people that are legitimate, cite their sources, and post where they found their information. And I do that because of how selective broadcast media is, or like the press. Like, I, I don't trust it because it's all biased like towards either direction and I know that like even on social media like the followers that I the followers the people that I follow like do have inherent biases but it's a lot more free and a lot less there's a lot less money in it than broadcast media which is like they all have different corporations pulling the strings which I don't trust and the individual has a lot less like outside coercion that would corrupt them to either side but the, prob the problem is with that is no one's going to read you unless you are somewhat salacious or, or inviting the click. And when you, if you're printing something that's more mediocre or just like not as yellow, okay, at you, you they're not going to get the clicks. It's driven 
buy money. I mean, there are some people, yes, who are on it who are there for good reasons. But most of the people on it are there for money. And they get the clicks by putting stuff that will enrage you in some way. If they say butterflies are beautiful, unless you're a butterfly nut, you're not going to go on. But if they go, what did Trump say today? Ah, you know, everyone goes on. And, and, and a lot of times, it really doesn't match the headline really doesn't match the story, but they got the click anyway. And that, that bothers me, and what bothers me also is all this false information that's put out there. Not very few people like you show them. They're not checking their sources. They're, they're getting stuff. Uh, there is one half of this nation still believes that the Fox News story of a rigged election is true, even though Fox now has admitted it's false, and they're still going to believe it because Fox is not saying that on their own station. So there's a problem there, and the information you get is driven by money. Murdoch said it very clearly. I don't think red or blue states. I think green. That was part of his deposition. So very few people do what you do, unfortunately. And I just want to have one more comment of thought to all you guys. I did something that went viral. I've got over a million views, Professor Parakal and I, on a 9-11 um, thing. And we have tens of thousands of comments, and none of them make me feel good. Okay? <laughs> so the, in the old days, if I had to criticize you or disagree, I would look in your eyes, and I would talk to you. Okay? And that moderated the way I behaved as a human being, as opposed to God, a troll. And you have so many people, because they have false names, they don't have to look at you in the eye, and they can say terrible, terrible things about you without any accountability at all. And luckily you're not a 14-year-old. Right, I don't care. You know, I, I don't read them, but, and I could care less how many likes or dislikes I have, I don't care. But there are people who really do. And that's the problem with 230 because they can post all these hateful, horrible comments that will destroy your body image, destroy everything about you, and have no responsibility for it at all. And that's, I have a very radical point of view. I want it all gone. You know, I say that, you know, Eleanor and Zach, who were 411 with me, first day of the seminar, I wish it dead, all of it, because I think it's very destructive. But listening to you today, I see how you're so entangled with it that I don't know if that is possible. I really don't. I'd like to, as we go around, because uh, we're running out of time, this is really a conversation, running out of time, what do you, would you, do you want it gone? If you don't want it gone, how do you want it fixed? You know, let, let's, let's start, Chris. I wouldn't say I want it gone. I'd say that there should be a lot more exceptions to Rule 230. I feel like it's two, there's like what, maybe two, three exceptions that you read in the original pamphlet. There's so many other like laws that can be broken that should be sued for that company that could be put underneath there, but it's just not. Um, because they could prop up anything for treason just for like their home country, they can get away with it because you know they're not they're the street, they're not responsible. Um, I also believe that if we get rid of like one social media thing, people are just going to migrate to a new one, or there's just going to be created a new one. So I feel like instead of abolishing all the media itself, we have to change the law itself. I think that a first, really good first step is to stop advertising on social media. Um, I think the advertising is one of like 
the worst things. First of all, people are so easily influenced. The amount of things people will buy just because someone said it on TikTok. Also, like I said, these advertisements go directly for your insecurities. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I was trying to look for eating disorder help resources, as in like treatment, therapy. And instead of being advertised that, I was advertised weight loss pills, cool sculpting, liposuction. Um, so it's such um, like a late stage capitalism thing, wanting to keep us miserable so they can advertise the, the solution. Literally, it's like taking Sell the pill things. that made you ill. Um, yeah. so, like, to that, and, like, that's why I'm really conflicted on the issue because the way that I personally use social media, I feel it brings benefit to me because like, I don't fall into these like rabbit holes that keep me down personally. But like, it does lead to these like alt-right pipelines that cause a lot of harm. But like, as for like the personal thing, like the whole advertising, I get the like strangest ads, and it's because I think I don't use social media and like the most consistent ads. No, they really don't. <coughs> I haven't gotten. I'm trying to figure you out. I've gotten like Etsy ads. No, this has been going on for years. I got like an Etsy ad for you know the smart water uh, water fountain for the bottle bottle fillers. I've gotten that 20, 30 times, and it's the strangest ads because like I don't know if it's because how I use it. It's because they can't like read me. And I wish more people would use social media like that, but, like, a lot of people just use it for, like, the doom scrolling, for it to be mindless. I have also gotten the water fountains, and I've also gotten a Bluetooth fork in the same post. What? I don't know what the point of that is. I got a fire escape once. Yeah. But Mine are so <laughs> personal. Ridiculous. Buy a fire escape on Bluetooth fork. Oh, they tell So, like, my thought on it is, like, I'm kind of conflicted as well on the issue because it's, like... I enjoy it because, like, personally, like, I like to watch a lot of true crime stuff. I like to learn about a lot of criminology stuff and law stuff. I'm newly law in society. So, like, I so I enjoy that community, but at the same time, I do see a lot of toxic stuff on social media, even in the true crime law section of it. So I'm kind of conflicted as well on this issue. I think that it's it's kind of an issue, in my opinion, like... This generation hardly reads books, which I didn't think was that much of an issue until I started reading books. Something that I... <laughs> and, um, I, um, I think that especially the true crime obsession, because of the, the, the way that it's presented to us and the, the lack of nuance in it, People are becoming desensitized to violence. Yeah, like these girls doing their makeup while talking about it. You can slowly see them getting more and more desensitized. Whereas if you read the, uh, when I read the Amanda Knox book, it completely, when I started making my presentation, the lightness to which I treated it um, shifted. Because, like, I remember, like, I was trying to decorate the slide with, like, blood splatters and stuff. And then when I read the book, I realized how serious it was. And, like, Faith pointed that out to me. Oh, she's not here right now. And was like, you should take out the blood splatters. And then after I read the book, I was like, these are real people with real lives. And um, all of that is taken away when you put it in a short-form media um, type of content. When you put this between you and an individual, it desensitizes them completely. 
And we're going to do, at the end of the semester, we're going to do White Bear, which is a Black Mirror oh, show. Wow. And, you'll, and, you'll see, we'll, and you'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah, Zach? Yeah, I think social media is here to stay, and it's not going to go anywhere because we've just been so, so accustomed to it. But I agree that there does need to be some moderation with respect to the Google case, the YouTube case, the Twitter case. I think that when um, Google is like supporting these ads, supporting the video of the Taliban, and posting it, reposting it, and monetizing off of that speech, like that is them endorsing that speech, which is then like promoting that speech. So yes, there's some accountability in that aspect, but there needs to be more, more moderation. I would have to agree with Professor Lane. I say, let it all burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so unnecessary. I mean, if I, I don't really need to know what all these people are doing like I haven't talked to in five years. If I want to know what people are doing, like that I care about, then I'll just go talk to them. Like I have their phone number, and I'll reach out. And how Nate mentioned, like getting into watching like new to law society, watching law videos. You can read law articles from um, other sources that have more credibility to them than just like on YouTube and like oh, like ten facts about. I don't know, whatever topic. There's other ways to do it. Like, it's not like our whole, like, lives are going to, like, shut down and be forever changed. It's just, they'll go back, like, 30 years and, like, reading articles more. But what about, initially, my opinion was that we should regulate it more with more thought-out details to better support the social media community. But I've realized that no matter what we do to social media, there will always be damage done to the people who are on it. There is no way to avoid that. And like what you said, um, I watch crime uh, shows. I like to research a bunch of stuff. And if you look for it on social media, you're going to get everything. You're going to get the lies. You're going to get the, some of the truth. You're going to get uh, partial truth and lie. You're going to get whatever that is given to you. So I feel like if social media is gone, it's just going to make the new generation better people and better researchers. Social media, I don't think it's like... A, I, okay, so it's definitely an issue, but I don't think it's up to social media platforms. I definitely feel like we should hold them accountable, but I feel like that's us as the users. We're on these platforms. We have to show them that we're in control of what's going on on our timelines. If you don't like what's going on in your timeline, get off. Go touch some grass. Go outside. <laughs> I feel like if people were more in tune with their real lives and we preach that more instead of destroy social media, social media is evil. No, people are evil on social media. Yes. Get off of it. I do agree with that to that point. Like, I do think that getting rid of social media is a positive thing because of all the positives that have come out of social media. Like, speaking, like, historically, there's never been a platform where people who are experiencing violence firsthand can put it in front of the world unedited without any um, like police force without any journalist like a journalist contradicting or editing what they are saying so people have a voice to speak up which I think is powerful and I have not seen it done in any other way besides social media to that end I had my eyes open to so many like humanitarian crises that I would have never seen had I not been on social media. And I've gone like the complete opposite of like the alt-right pipeline. I've been 
partially through social media, just because, like, opening my eyes to these humanitarian crises, like, they've moved me so far left. Like, I mean, I, I'm trying to think, like, I really started following politics in, like, 2018 with the, like, post-election, because, like, two years into, like, Trump's uh, presidential term, like, I'd really started to see some of the issues that were going on, and through that, like, I moved further and further left, which, it's not been purely through social media, but that definitely has spurred me. And I would have, like, I would have been so much more sheltered and so much more, I guess, like, centered, like, politically if I had never been exposed to these issues. Eleanor, I'll show the last comments, and then we'll sign off. I remember the days when, on Friday nights, my best friend and I would walk around the mall and go to the movies. And then as social media started to come about, it was about the fun dog Snapchat filters and seeing the pictures of everyone posting from like the gross CYO dance and that was fun like I loved seeing fun pictures from people's vacations and goofing around but the turnaround was so quick of all of these harmful things showing up and so I think there has to be a balance between burning social media and letting it progress and like rebirth yeah i think that there needs to be some sort of rebirth reboot we need to step back and evaluate and how that'll happen i'm not sure but i think the the pacifist in me just wants everything to be happy (laughs) 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 just like why can't we all be happy i agree you know i agree there needs to be a rebirth uh, final comments on it. Instead of social media, why don't you get together, look each other in the eye, go to the mall, go to the movies, touch some grass. Uh, actually, maybe other stuff. But um, you know my point of view. I want to thank you very much. This has been a very entertaining roundtable. Thank you very much for coming. I look forward to future ones. Thank you very much.